to quote Dr. Emmett Brown from Back to the Future 3, we all have to make decisions that can affect the course of our lives. You have chosen wisely, and that choice is to listen to another nerd out. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Okay. We are still in lockdown. We are still in the midst of a global pandemic, but we are still in need of nerding out. We are back after yet another break. Uh, hopefully this, uh, this run of nerding out continues um, uh, well on into a time <laughs> when we are in a post-COVID world. Joining me, as always, are two of the greatest people in the history of nerd culture. We have Jan Spears. How are you? Ah, uh, look, I'm all right. I'm uh, <laughs> doing all right. I think that's the most of most people can say, at least Melburnians can say at the moment. Um, yeah, no, doing right. Thanks, Rob. Just chilling at home, consuming a lot. So um, that's nice. Great. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying thank you. <laughs> it's been so long. Yeah. It's been so long that I've forgotten how to have a conversation. That's totally, totally fine. I could have done. And now it's time for my co-host. He doesn't need an introduction. And moving on to our next co-host. Um, so now, <laughs> next up we have... Sandro Felcher, how are you doing, my friends? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. I'm cold. I forgot to turn my heater on uh, half an hour before coming into my room to record. And, uh, and I'm feeling it. It's a bit cold, but I think that's good because when I'm cold, I perform better. So I'm excited. Interesting note. You would have done well on the set of The Exorcist, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yes. Fun fact. Or on the set of uh, The Late Show with um, David Letterman, who famously always had it so freezing in the studio yeah. so that the audience you know would keep themselves warm by clapping and cheering and going absolutely crazy Excellent. i would have left but yeah wouldn't wouldn't have worked for me i'd be like bye i'm out of here <laughs> i cannot bear to be cold like i just can't do it um no no mm. so yes as you can tell the three of us haven't spoken in a while and the three <laughs> of us haven't spoken to anyone uh Outside of our places in in a, in a while, so this is going to be an experiment and an adventure for not only you but for us as well. Now, on this running sheet that has been worked out by Sandro Felcher, yes, we have someone do the running sheet and then put someone else in charge of hosting. It's crazy. <laughs> we have the title "Tease Coming Episodes." Yes. Sandro, explain this. Well, I I will do that just thing, Sir Rob. Thank you for that very great segue to this the tease of upcoming episodes. Uh, yeah. Why are we all trying to speak differently? It's not working. Yes. So, sorry. We're all sorry. trying to use different new words that we don't normally use, and it's so funny. <laughs> We've learnt new words in isolation, and we want to use them. Yeah. Yes, we are actually in a 1950s science fiction film where we are aliens who have come down to this planet and try to learn what these... Hey, don't spoil what I'm going to talk about, Rob. I am uh, John Big Bootay from The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, which I just watched. That's a reference. That's a very nice. niche 80s movies reference for you. As a great Peter Weller reference or John Lithgow. Um, yeah, uh, so <laughs> during our last run of episodes, a lot of people were asking me... A lot of people were asking the Instagram account and stuff like that. Hey, when are you guys going to be doing like full reviews? When are you going to be doing some topics? And we're not this episode. This episode is just consuming. But yes, we will be doing that very soon. Do not fret. Um, Villain Ted 3 is out soon. We're going to review that. Tenet is getting released in 
some parts of the world and <laughs> Australia. We'll talk about Nolan movies, because we can't watch it, and we'll do some other stuff as well, because things are getting released, things are happening, so we are going to try and do more topics very soon. But there we go. Good tease, Sandro. Good tease of upcoming episodes, question mark, Sandro. <laughs> and, you know... There's uh, only one thing to do after you've heard about a tease of upcoming episodes and structures like that. The only thing you can do after having a tease like that is to, to think about a question, really, a question that we all ask ourselves, um, that all of us really know the answer to straight away, because all we can be really doing right now is the one thing that we will ask right now. And I'll ask you, Jen Spears, what have you been consuming lately? Well, other than um, a kilo of candy in two days, nice. um, oh, yeah. true story, um, there is an <laughs> online company that does like a pick and mix situation. You pick, they mix. Anyway, got oh, a kilo. I've been getting those ads on Instagram. It's good. They're good. Um, but I ate it all. We ate it all in two days. So um, that's that. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I've been consuming a bit of everything um, other than podcasts. I haven't podcasted in a while. Listen to podcasts and recorded, obviously. Um, so a bit of movies, lots of, lots of books. I'm reading a lot of books at the moment, um, and lots of TV, but there are one movie that we watched recently, um, that we've been talking about watching ever since it came out, but it's one of those movies that you go, need to see it, need to see it, need to see it, but you never kind of like, you know, when you're not in the mood for a movie, even though you have no idea what mood you should be in to watch a movie, yeah. like it's a, yeah. a weird, like you just keep making excuses to not watch it and you're like, why? You don't know if it's any good or not. Anyway. I just so stand in front of my DVD collection and Blu-ray collection and just go, oh, I couldn't That's watch a great that. idea. I yeah. couldn't watch that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, why haven't I? Like, it's critically acclaimed or it won a bunch of awards or everyone raves about it, but something about you're like, no, I don't want to watch it. Anyway, mm. so um, the one that we watched is on Amazon Prime and it's called The Vast of Night. Oh, um, yes. Yes, 1950s alien reference Rob made before. I was like, he's been reading my diary. Um <laughs> I'm so glad that I know someone else who has seen this movie. Oh, you've seen it? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, great. Oh, good. Because I was like, I don't know if we'll be able to have a discussion, but I think we will. That's good. Um, so, it, yeah, basics is it's set in the late 1950s in a little town in New Mexico. It is a sci-fi. Um, it's a small, a fairly small, low-budget film. Um, it was filmed in 17 days um, with a 91-minute runtime, which I love. I love a short, sharp film. Um, uh, yeah, set in a small town in New Mexico, um, it revolves around two characters pretty much, uh, Everett, who's a local radio DJ and Faye, who works at the, uh, telephone operator, um, switchboard in this, in the town. Um, it's set over, and I think it's real time. So it covers an hour and a half in the life of these two people. The rest of the city, the rest of the town is at a basketball game. Um, Everett's on, on air. Phase manning the opera, the switchboard, and a strange sound comes through both uh, over the radio and through uh, the telephone line. Um, goes on from there. They um, investigate the sound. Uh, Everett gets a caller that says he's heard the sound before when he was doing um, some top secret um, work for the government. Basically, um, him and pretty much only um, African American workers. Um, and that they heard that sound come from a ship. Um, and then there's calls coming in, people here seeing things in the sky. Um, so yeah, it's basically a alien, aliens arrive in the sky kind of movie, but what separate, it's hard to 
pin I, I still haven't really been able to put my finger on exactly why it's so different to anything I've ever seen before. It is um yeah, like I said, it's two characters pretty much the two you deal with. They they interact with others. Um the way it's shot is uh there's a lot of single shot following like you basically walk with the two characters from the school gym to the radio station um, the whole way. Like it's just like a, a moment in time. You hear their whole conversation. The conversation takes the exact same amount of time as it would in real life. Um, a lot of it's almost like you're kind of like this isn't moving the plot forward at all. It's just two characters having a conversation. Sounds boring, but it isn't. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's just this little little niche film. I think it did pretty well at some um, festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume, um, and it's. Just a little, I love a little, um, a little, mo- it's not super sci-fi, like you don't, you don't really see the ship until, spoilers, until the very end, and even then, that's it, that's the end, like you don't, it doesn't go, you're like, it's just like this perfectly normal story, but it's got this bit of mystery, and yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's hard to talk about, weirdly, I just realised. Like, hmm. hard to describe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because the story, as you mentioned, is very linear. It's very, yeah. like, bare bones. It's yeah. pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be just based off the premise. But then yeah. it is, like, the the star of the movie, uh, the stars, obviously. Yeah. I don't like the cinematography and the mood. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, there's this one scene, I think it's, like, 20 minutes long, where you're just watching someone tell a story. And it's pretty much a single shot, I think. It's just yeah. this long monologue. Yeah. And it just goes on and on, but you're so drawn into it at that yeah. point. And there's, um, it also, there's moments, um, there's a a caller that calls into the radio station. He's telling his story and it's sort of, it it just focuses on Everett, who's the DJ, who's listening to the story. And it just completely goes black. You're watching a black screen for like two and a half minutes of this guy and just listening to this guy's voice. And then it fades out and you're looking at a black and white TV. Um, and then it's sort of, it's, it's very artsy fartsy, some people would say. (laughs) And there's moments like that where you're like, I don't really know what that what just happened but it was cool i'm still watching like i'm still really invested um there's also a really um amazing shot that gets talked about a lot where the camera basically just it's like someone's running with it but very smoothly um through the street it goes um across an oval and then it goes into a window and then across a basketball through the basketball players and then up through the crowd and out the window again and it's just like you just get this glimpse of what everyone else is doing while this amazing event is happening and no one no one is witnessing it except for a handful of people um yeah it's it's i would definitely recommend everyone watch it um especially if you like your sci-fi but i don't know if a lot of people will like it Hmm. i think the intro in particular does kind of set it up to be like a twilight zone style episode so i think if you're a fan of classic twilight zone you'd get a lot out of it absolutely i hadn't thought of that yeah yeah but if you're looking for a sci-fi like say project power on netflix this is not for you if that's the <laughs> sort of movie this is not for you <laughs> yeah so. it's not it's not a war of the worlds it's not a um well the, the new war of the worlds anyway uh, movies it's not a big action-packed aliens invade kind of thing it's just yeah and it, the ending as well leaves you just like okay we're not getting any more of that that's it that that's the story it's a little it's like a short basically it's a short story um, in movie form is how I felt it. Um, 
they didn't feel the need to carry on the story after that hour and a half and kind of, I don't know if I wanted them to or not. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get to the end of movies and I'm like, now I know I'm meant to be um, okay with that ending. I'm meant to be like, that's awesome and, and brave. And like, that's cool that they've stopped it there because it's up to us to decide. But actually inside I'm like, get me on that ship. I want to know what happens next. What happened to the baby? Why is the, uh, what about a tape recorder? Like what happened? So yeah, I flick between being just like, I want to be pandered to and I want to be like a serious movie watcher that makes decisions and reviews them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is the kind of movie where you feel like you need to just accept it. Yeah, I watch a lot of, as you said, artsy movies like this. And yeah. weirdly, I think out of all, all of the ones I've seen this year, this one has the most definitive ending. Like, it is still technically a non-ending, but it's a lot better than, like, the ending of, like, Horse Girl, for example, or She Dies Tomorrow was another one I saw recently, which was, like, really good. Like, it's a lot better than those endings, I think, because it does yeah. give you something. Not much, but something. It's certainly the end of the, that story for those characters, I think is a good way to look at it. Like, that's, yeah. But you don't get, like, the aftermath, which is sometimes fun. But um, it sounds like I didn't enjoy it. I really loved it. Um, it was really fun. Patty and I both just, like, watched the credits roll and went, huh, that was <laughs> amazing um, all round. So, yeah, and the actors were, like, I hadn't seen them in anything else. So I always really enjoy watching a movie where I don't recognise the actors from other things. Because um, otherwise, I spend the movie going, "Oh, it's the guy from Oh, what's he on?" And then I jump over to IMDb and have a look, and then like it just ruins it. So um, it's cool to have like a new, a new story told, uh, an old story told in a new way with new pe- new faces. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, similar kind of vibe in terms of low, not low budget, but kind of weird films. Is um, just quickly we watched The Dead Don't Die the other night, so I missed <laughs> out on seeing it and. I'll let you know when I decide if I liked it or not. (laughs) I saw it, I saw it a year and a half ago and I still don't know. So yeah, I laughed a lot. Um, and then I went, what the hell? And then I went, of course it is. And then at the end I was like, sure. (laughs) It's a little, it's a little on the nose. It's quite on the nose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I do love Sturgill Simpson though. So, uh, wasn't unhappy about the soundtrack. But anyway, that was my couple of little uh, artsy-fartsy films. Nice. Sandro, what have you been consuming lately other than, well, you don't have candy. You want candy. You should consume candy. I don't have candy. And while you're consuming candy, tell us about what you have been Ooh, watching or I, I I don't have candy, but I did get a kilogram of jerky. Wow. Nice. And have been slowly going through that. So we're all buying things in bulk here at Nerd Out. <laughs> I feel like you get more candy in a kilo than you would jerky. Yeah, you kind of do. It's still a kilo, but in terms of like bits. What, what have you been consuming while you've been eating a kilo of jerky? Well, I have uh, done something I don't really do with TV. I haven't done this Ooh. in probably like four years. I saw two seasons, 20 episodes of Preacher in four days. Wow. Wow, you binged. <laughs> I just, I don't do, I don't really binge shows like that, but I did for Preacher. Um, so it's been three years since season two, mm. uh, which was the last season I saw, and the show has since ended with season three and season four, so uh, I don't know why I waited so long, but I, I did. I went through those two seasons now and and, and have finished the show. Congrats. Um, if you don't know Preacher is based off a comic book series. I'm a big fan of it. It's written by Garth Enos, who is also the guy that, that wrote The Boys, the show that's on Amazon. He's well known for 
taking uh, concepts and then kind of satirizing them, poking fun at them. Subverting them. them. And also Mm. delivering just incredibly offensive, ultra-violent sequences. (laughs) So Preacher is that. It stars um, Dominic Cooper as a preacher. Oh, he's beautiful. Mm. Oh, he's, he is fantastic. He, he's a preacher out in, I think it's Texas. And just from the sky, this thing hits him. And he suddenly has the power to make anyone do what he wants just by saying it. And that is the premise of the first season. Because it's really hard to talk about Preacher. Because the first season, the entire lead up of the first season, the twist at the end of season one is the premise of the show. Is the concept of the comic book that you get straight off the bat of the comic book so it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoilers so i may have to because it's the final two seasons go on spoiler warning spoiler warning spoiler warning god is missing uh this power that dominic has gotten is so powerful that god is like oh no he can probably defeat me so he's escaped he's run (laughs) down to earth he's hiding in in earth and and jesse his girlfriend Tulip and a vampire called Cassidy have to go and find God, literally. And that is the concept of the show, basically. Um, it's very, very funny. There's also uh, basically <laughs> a militarised version of the Catholic Church are hunting them as well. That's also happening. Um, Love that. A lot of fun. So the Catholic Church. So the <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it, Rob. It's great. It's really fun. It's... It, it's the the comic is very funny but also quite mean-spirited i think and that's probably because uh the author i feel like there's some stuff the author is working out while writing this comic when i read it (laughs) the show is uh, a lot more funnier i guess uh it's less mean-spirited it's more like we're just kind of poking fun at things and you know that's what what we're doing and and these two seasons the fourth season in particular are ridiculous. You've got characters showing up who you would not see in a TV show just in general, but these characters are in mm. scenarios. These characters are in scenes with other characters that are just hilarious and also just really interesting. Spoilers, Jesus gets in the fist fight with Hitler. Wow. I was going to say, can you give us one of the characters that you mentioned that wouldn't normally be in. Uh, yeah, well, or is Hitler. that a big spoiler? Okay, like Hitler's yeah. a main character in that situation. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, he's a main character. Other religious figures are in this. Obviously, God is in this, and the guy that plays him is phenomenal. Uh, he no, that that is a big spoiler. I won't say that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's really it's really fun. I just the thing that I love about the show so much compared to the, to the comic is the characterizations. Like in the comic, it's very much, uh, Jesse's tale. He's the main character played by uh, Dominic, as I mentioned, it, it, it's very much his tale and all the other characters are kind of pushed to the side, which is a shame because they are great characters. Mm. The great thing about the show is that you, you've got, um, an incredible actress called Ruth Negger playing Tulip, yeah. who is, probably the best character in the show she was always kind of my favorite in the comic and then they just she she comes into her own completely and i honestly think to me she's the main character in the show just just her story is so good cassidy as well is um vampire because there's vampires in this show yeah because why not but they walk around in the daytime (laughs) 
Yeah, he always has a he always has a has an umbrella on him just so he can walk yeah. around in the daytime. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he's great. He's wonderfully Irish and just a joy to watch on screen. He's in that actor's in Misfits, isn't he? Another standout performance is Graham McTavish, who plays the Saint of Killers, who's like this Western so uh, cool. kind of cowboy character, and he's excellent. He's right. He's really good. Um, he doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's powerful. What a cool name, too, for a character. Mm. Saint of Killers, so cool. Yeah. Oh, and also the fourth and final season was shot in Melbourne. It was entirely filmed here in Melbourne. That's oh. right. Yeah. Which is fun, but also distracting because the the majority of the season isn't set in Melbourne. The majority <laughs> of the season is set in the Middle East, which they just filmed out in the outback and pretended that it was <laughs> pretended the Middle it East. Was the Middle <laughs> East. Um, and there's one scene in particular which I find very funny, where uh, they are meant to be walking down a road in Texas. But the road, it looks identical to a regional Victoria road very close to my house. I'm pretty sure it is that road. (laughs) And so that whole time I was like, hang on a second, I know where that road is. This isn't Texas. Oh, they're trying to get away with something. I believed it was all real this whole time and this is what did it for me. (laughs) Yes. It's great. I love it. It's so funny. Again, the concepts are hilarious, but it still feels grounded as much as the show like this possibly can. Uh, mm. Just because the performances are excellent, uh, it's it's incredibly violent, um, so over the top, so gory. Uh, but that doesn't really—it's kind of like the Kingsman movies. It feels like it's got that stylized sense of ultra violence that the Kingsman mm. movie has, but it's more grounded because you care about the characters more, I think, and the, the performances are a little bit more realistic. So, mm. um, yeah. Preacher, it's excellent. I think all four seasons are on Stan. Um, I've got them on Blu-ray because I just love the show that much. So I would say check them out. Two thumbs up. Yes, the first season is <laughs> just a lead up to the premise, which kind of annoys me. But yeah. also it's a good season, I think. Particularly the two angel characters who are in that season. Yeah. I think they are very funny. I really in- enjoyed season one. I've only seen season one, but I've read the comics. So... Um, coming from having read the comics and then watching season one and knowing what I was going to get into and then not getting what I was expecting was cool but a little frustrating um, that it got to the end of season one and I was like, oh, okay, now this is where the comics... Okay. So it was a weird, like, bittersweet kind of moment um, for me, but I do I do need to watch the rest of the show. Yeah. Do you prefer the movie or the comic... Or the show or the comics? Um... Or is that not a nice question to ask? <laughs> I think I think it's it's pretty easy to separate them because they go, they yeah. do go in their own direction in in, mm-hmm. in the show. But I, I I prefer the ending of the show um, over the ending of the comic, okay. even though I really like the ending of the comic. I prefer the ending of the show. I think it's just uh, very very well written. Must be good then. Um, th- oh, I I do kind of prefer the layout of the comic more though. Okay. Because you've got an entire season set in Angelville, which is where Jesse grew up, and they work yeah. in some other elements from the other graphic novels into that season. But I was like, oh, we're just spending ten episodes here in Angelville, okay? <laughs> which was a, a, a little bit annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I will say though, if you have read the comic, they are very faithful. The character of her star does lose at least one body. <laughs> part every season and it's great he loses it at the start of the season and just by the end of season four you're like that actor has to put on so many prosthetics every time he films because he just keeps losing losing bits here and there it's great (laughs) 
That's cool. Yes, you have read the comics, so you know what I'm talking about. They do mm-hmm. do the Pope, the the comics okay. version of the Pope in this. They do do exactly what they did in the comic, which good to uh, know. Surprised me a lot. Yeah, and it was disgusting. Um, <laughs> so two thumbs up to that show. I'm going to throw the question over to Rob, though. What have you been consuming lately? Yeah, well, I've been uh, skipping around on the streaming services, so I've um, uh, reconnected with watching old Simpsons episodes recently, nice. which has been cool. Watch, I started with season four, my favourite, so which is just just a killer season of stuff like Home of the Heretic, A Streetcar Named Marge, um, Valentine's Day episode, Monorail. It's just 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 I remember how brilliant the the show was uh, at its heyday. Are you are you watching it in the original aspect ratio as well? I haven't figured out how to do that. So I've got I've got the full screen and it's shit and I've got to go figure out how to get it to the original aspect ratio and I haven't figured out how to do that and I've just gone I'm doing it just before I go to sleep so I'm watching it as I'm going falling asleep I'm going you know what I'll figure this out some other time. <laughs> Next time, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a lot of things I take seriously, you know, with my, like, physical media and I'm, you know, painstakingly moving my DVD collection into Blu-ray. But that part of going, I should be more dedicated to getting this in the original aspect ratio. I'm just not going to care at the moment. Um, <laughs> I tried uh, tried to get into Party Down, which is a, a two-series show. Uh, it was about 2000. An eight nine, um, uh, created by Paul Rudd and a couple of his mates. Um, Adam Scott got his big break there. Uh, Jane Lynch did it before she became a superstar on um, Glee. Um, it's not as good as I thought it would be. It's a little bit mean spirited, and I didn't like it that much. Um, uh, watch Jack Ryan on uh, Amazon, and that's uh, quite good and quite American and macho. And uh, Krasinski's good and very, very serious, um, <laughs> which is funny and good at the same time. Um, uh, I uh, rediscovered Frontline, which was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. I was a huge late show fan from the D-Gen when I was in high school, and I lived and breathed Frontline when that was on TV. Um, and I'm just amazed how current that show is, even though it came out in, like, 1994. It is yeah. still... We, it is, I think we studied that at school. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, it was picked up by um, uh, Year Twelve schools as a studying yep. thing, and it's 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 still incredibly relevant. It's amazing. But what I have found that I'll talk mostly about uh, is a show that you probably both have watched, and if you haven't, you should. I've watched the first two episodes of uh, the Netflix series High Score. I don't know that one. Oh, I don't know. Which is about uh, the history of computer games. So it's kind of oh, like. Cool. Kind of like along the same veins as the toys that made us, the movies that <gasps> made us. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great fun exploration. Like the first oh, cool. episode explores uh, Space Invaders, Missile Command, um, uh, the the arcade boom, and then the fall of the arcade. Uh, Pac Man um, uh, mm. and how uh, Mrs. Pac Man was made. Uh, Ms. Pac Man was uh, made, and that's a fascinating story. Um, episode two is about the rise of Nintendo, my, my console of choice. Um, and the people are great. Like the guy who invented, um, uh, space invaders is so cute. Uh, the guy, the guy who, uh, they interview who did all the music for, um, uh, Nintendo, like who created the music for Donkey Kong is in beautiful. Uh, the, the young guys in America who were like at university and they got into arcade games and then they learned the circuitry to, 
um, improve the game so that people wow. will make them harder and harder so that they'd have to spend more money. Uh-huh. And um, they're just great. And the balls that they had when they were like 20, 21 and they were being sued by Atari. Um, it's it, it's great. So, And the next episode that I'm just about to watch goes into um, role-playing games and how that moved from Dungeons & Dragons into, you know, you know, uh, you know, the online world that it is now. So yeah, really great energy, really great fun history, great balance of, you know, real people like interviewing, um, uh, uh, the, the winner of, um, the space invaders, uh, first ever you know national final uh and how they are now hmm. uh, the kid who won the first ever nintendo um uh, uh world tour that they did around america like in in uh, when he was 11 years old just great stuff like that is really yeah. fun so it's got that it's got more of a fun spirit like the king of kong is one of the most famous docos about computer games and that film take is a bit laborious at the end you kind of get the character the people most of the people in it are such dickheads um but this film this this series is great it just shows the the joy that these people had the imagination they had and yeah. um yeah it's it's a it's a great fun series about you know computer games so high score highly recommended Cool. Excellent. It says here they talk about the uh, world famous ET, the extraterrestrial game as well. They do, which I had. Really? The first, yeah. My my wow. my fam my family. I my brother and I got for Christmas one year. We got an Atari two thousand six hundred, and we had Space what Invaders. A yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I think mum and dad had the photo somewhere of us as kids playing it for the first time. Um, so we had, and the big cartridges and they each came mm. in their own little like VHS box. So we had Space Invaders. We had um, uh, Missile Command. We had Berserker. Um, <laughs> uh, and we got E.T. And we didn't know, we loved it. We loved playing. It was pretty hard and pretty annoying, but we were kids and we just went, oh, okay. Uh, we completed it. And it wasn't until decades later that I found out that it was this infamous, you know, you know, blip on the history of computer games. I went, oh, I didn't know. We just thought it was kind of annoying as kids, but we kept playing it. Um, which, uh, yeah, but because history- you could only have so many games back then because they were so expensive. They were so expensive. You played and- the same three games till to death. Yes, yeah, yeah, and like you just had to jam those cartridges, and the the units were so solid. Like you know, you 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 had to you were, you you didn't worry about breaking anything because you couldn't break. You could hit it with a baseball bat and be fine. Um, so yeah, it goes through all those type of stories, and they interview the people, and they're really respectful and kind, and and you let these people have their moment to shine. And one cute little story, they um, uh, Nintendo were being uh, sued. Uh, that's right, by Universal uh, Studios for um, uh, King Kong. And they were thinking Donkey Kong was a send-up of it. And they got this lawyer called, um, uh, what was his name? Larry Kirby or Jack Kirby. I don't think it's, it might have been Jack Kirby, which would be great. So many Jack Kirbys in pop culture. Um, And he was their lawyer and he won the case for them. And so, and they pretty much showed that, look, this is wrong and Universal you know this is wrong but you're just doing it for the money and yeah. so they won the case and Nintendo was so grateful to this guy Kirby they created the character 
Kirby's Adventure with the computer game uh, Kirby. So Kirby is is a is an is a tip of the hat to the somewhere. to the yeah. lawyer who who uh, saved them from being bankrupt in America. So it's beautiful story. I think I picked that up somewhere. Um, uh, our end of night like tradition once we've finished whatever we're watching before bed is to just jump on YouTube and see what the algorithm gives us. Um, and sometimes it's sport and sometimes it's um, like Patty watches a lot of like. Um, video game playthroughs and so there was a, a story about I think it was Nintendo or the evolution of Mario Brothers um, and yeah. I feel like there was a reference to that in there somewhere Kirby and Donkey Kong but I always find that the documentaries for those older generation arcade games and consoles are always really joyful um, they're always full of people with passion and just love what they do and unfortunately you watch like documentaries on modern gaming and it's just not that's just not the same anymore like it's nah. There's a yeah, lot of bad shit in the gaming world. Um, especially in those olden days, it was very, well, <laughs> back in the olden days of when I was a yeah. kid. Um, <laughs> you know, the community spirit of going to an yeah. arcade. And yeah. Um, yeah. In the, I mean, they show it in King of, uh, King of Kong about the toxic culture of the time of high scores and all that type of stuff. But this is very much, they celebrate the, you know, the culture of everyone getting together and yeah. you know, these big, these big events before esport became so much a thing. This was like, mm. they were kind of figuring out what they were doing. And it was just a fun, joyous uh, yeah. exploration and what games could, you know, get, you know, girls into play and what they liked about it yeah. and what type of things you focus on. And so it was more of a, you know, let's bring that market in as opposed to nowadays yeah. where, you know, let's drive that market out. So toxic, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's more of that communal atmosphere, which I really love. And then, you know, within yeah. the home as well and having and – yeah. they, do, they do a particular focus, uh, a forgotten um, part of American history of who was the actual original creator of um, the cartridge. Um, uh, mm. console because before that if you wanted to play a game you had to buy the Pong console yeah. and you could only play Pong but um, uh, this uh, yeah, lesser known hero created the first original uh, cartridge and then of course Atari took it and uh, popularized it and his name has been uh, uh, forgotten so they focus on his story as well which is um, which is cute yeah nice. I also learnt that Nintendo wasn't originally called a, a Nintendo 64 like it was the Nintendo something else. I can't think of the console was something. Famicom. Oh, Famicom. Yeah. 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 I was like, what, are they called, what is this console? And Patty's like, that's what the Nintendo was called originally. It was the company Nintendo. Um, but then once it came over and got big in America, they just called it the Nintendo because, you know, mm. we have to change everything for America so that they yes. can understand. Yeah. So. <laughs> and they had to change the, because the, the console of Famicom um, mm. was white and, and maroon mm. and really awkward looking. And the, so then they, and then America designed an even sleeker, cool of version. Course. And, but the Japanese company didn't like that. So they came kind of yep. halfway and we got the iconic design that we had then. But yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so Nintendo cool. became so popular. People stopped saying, oh, I'm going home to play computer games. People would go, no, I'm going home to play Nintendo. Yeah. So, yeah. Love that. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the, the design of the Fanicon now and going, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That does look quite. Um, quite and of rough. course. They've they've re-released which I which I've got the mini uh, NES sorry uh, NES but I always called it NES and SNES uh, that's what we called it I think, it was <laughs> yeah. a, I, think it was, I think that's very much an Australian thing everyone called it oh you got you gonna I'm gonna go home to play the SNES um, but yeah with the first time they released the mini 
NES, they released the mini Famicom, so you could get the original, but that was like limited to a couple of, you know, 100,000, so it sold out, you know, so quickly. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, Jen, what else have you been consuming lately? Uh, Well, like I mentioned, I've been reading a lot of books um, with all my free time. So um, (laughs) I just had sort of went back through my Goodreads and had a bit of a look at what I've been reading, what I might want to talk about. Um, I'm two out of three books of the way through the uh, Robin Hobb Farsia trilogy, um, which I was recommended by a bunch of people I put up on my Facebook asking people for their favourite fantasy um, uh, books, and I got that one multiple times. Um, I won't go into it any further until I finish the trilogy and then I'll do a proper review on it. But so far, loving it. Um, I also have been reading just a few bits and pieces. Um, Sandra lent me a bunch of Archie comics, which was really cool. Um, the new Archie? Uh, it was Archie 1942, 45 and 50. So it's like him back set back in those days and they were really, really cool. Um, I did actually read uh, a new Archie. So my friends at uh, All Star Comics, when we first went into lockdown, um, they're taking phone orders and uh, Facebook orders, uh, Facebook Messenger orders, which is cool. They're still doing that. And All Star's only upstairs now. They've closed down the. That's they correct. Were, there were two stories, but now they're only upstairs. Yeah, that's huh. correct. Um, I popped in so just knew... before lockdown to pick up some um, uh, some back issues of the. <laughs> Age of Resistance Dark Crystal prequel oh, series. Cool. So, yeah. They've, it's quite quite sad to see that they've closed down downstairs. Yeah. And were, yeah. Still doing amazing, though. Um, if you Whether you want to shop online or over the phone or when they reopen, go and visit, go visit the guys at All Star. Um, Troy and Mitch are amazing. Um, I just went... I just wanted to get the last Lock and Key Volume 6, Alpha oh, and Omega, yeah. um, and then said... And also, I really want to try a new Archie and a Sabrina. Give me something. So um, <laughs> they recommended um, the new Archie Volume 1 and Sabrina and the Teenage Witch, um, the new by Kelly Thompson, the new series, which oh, is yeah. really – re- it's beautiful. I love the art style of that. That's been really fun. Um, and the Archie one is actually a bit of a crossover because he's dating Sabrina. Um, oh. So that one's by uh, Nick Spencer. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, so they get back from summer and Archie has been MIA all summer and Veronica and um, Betty are trying to figure out why and they reckon there's a girl involved and it's the new girl at school is Sabrina but no one knows she's a witch um so yeah anyway I read those um so yeah some comics some other I've had a couple of rereads um been reading some non-fiction as well but um what I did pick up um and blasted through really quickly was the um Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins which is the prequel to Hunger Games focuses Um, on young snow doesn't it that's correct so it's um set many years ago it's um around the time of the 10th hunger games and i mm. believe in the first film where it's the 70 somethings oh wow so okay. yeah um it's based around um young Coriolanus snow who we know as president snow in the uh, hunger games series um he is at uh the academy which is um the the academy for only rich people basically in, in the capital um however his family after the War, which is the war they always refer to in the Hunger Games, the re- the rebel, you know, the rebellion. Um, his family have his father was killed, and his family are now broke. They still live in their mansion, and as far as everyone is concerned, they're still rich. 
but they're not. They're struggling. Um, and it basically follows the story of the 10th Hunger Games, where which is the first games that mentors are used, and the mentors are the academy students. So Coriolanus becomes a mentor ah. um, for the District 12 tribute. Of course. So the, of course. So without getting too much into it, because I really don't – as much as I could do a spoiler alert, it's really – interesting to go through and read and have things sort of develop and if you are a big hunger games fan you will pick out things and go that's the origin of oh that's cool that's where that came from um but a few things to note is um shows how pivotal snow is in the evolution of the hunger games um he kind of when we first meet him in the original series he's the president we don't really know how much control he has over things um but this shows that he's actually quite pivotal in a lot of the the things that come about um come to be um, the mutts, so the animals that are brought into the games, um, the uh, mentors, obviously, and sponsorship, so people in the capital being able to sponsor tributes and send them food. It's the first time you see that um, in these games, and it is set in a classic stadium. It's just like a, a gladiator-type situation. Um, they're all thrown in there, and that's it. There's no fancy computers or anything like uh, sending in the packages is like the big high tech thing of this time, and it's sent in by drones. And they have no way to actually track the tributes, so they just have to wait for them to show their face on camera before the drones can drop things, and it that creates tension and things like that. So um, it's really cool just to see the things that we know from the original series, how they actually they weren't there the whole time, you know, how they've evolved. Um, it also helps to establish his hatred for District Twelve and why from the get go he has it out for Katniss in the Hunger Games. Um, he, as I mentioned, his tribute is from District 12 and it's uh, a girl. Um, and not to spoil too much, but they he becomes interested and, and they sort of spark a bit of a romance and then things happen and so forth. Um, it shows where some of the songs came about that Katniss sings throughout Hunger Games um, and it uh, really – and the Mockingjay as a symbol as well. Um, a lot of people were – annoyed when she announced that she was doing a prequel and it was going to be about Coriolanus because they sort of said well, we don't need any more villains getting any airtime like we don't we don't want to know about him he's a he's an evil person we don't care what he's it's not it's like the Joker we don't want his backstory he's an evil person we don't want his origin we don't want it but I found I was interested um I get that but I was also quite I always I have a thing about knowing what has turned someone into that level of evil um, I don't feel like I'm doing it to be like, oh no, I see where they're coming from. I see what caused it. I'm not looking for like to, to gain for them to gain my sympathy or anything, but I just find it really fascinating. And that's why I really liked the Joker. Um, but it doesn't set, paint him as a sympathetic character, um, like you're expecting. And it also, he's the narrator, but he's, it's this idea of like how, how trustworthy is a narrator in a novel? Like how much can you believe what they say? So where he says certain things and he's thinking certain things and when you're reading a book normally you're like, oh, yeah, that's what he's thinking, so it's the truth. Like this, I, I agree with him, he's the narrator, therefore I'm siding with him. But you find yourself going, no, nah, that's dumb, that's not right, that's wrong, Nah, he's not cool. So it's really interesting. There's not many books where you read from a, the narrator's point of view and you're uh, – but the story, the way it's written and the language is actually actively telling you not to, to side with him. Mm. Um, so that's yeah. really, I found that really interesting. And I think that that saved that, um, that really, it's like when you, uh, when people are like, Oh, we don't need it. We don't need it. You wish you could just be like, but don't worry. 
I'm going to do it this way, so it's okay. But, you know, you know that never happens. People are going to make up their mind about books and not read them. Um, but, yeah, it's that idea of, like, the um, – there's a particular name word for it in literature, and I should know it as an arts major, um, and it's about uh, that idea of the um, – the narrator being trustworthy or not, and I will figure out what that's called. So yeah, that I re- I smashed that out in a couple of days. Um, wow. The, a few little issue. The ending feels really rushed, but I found that in the Hunger Games trilogy that oh, Mockingjay yeah. was super rushed. The last like twenty pages should have been one hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, and this is the same. Like it's quite a thick book, but it felt really slow. Not too slow. At a good pace, and then it was she, it was almost like she went got to wrap this up. It's getting too long for a young adult novel. I better wrap this up. So it kind of just like skips through it. Um, the other issue I've, but I've had with all the Hunger Games novels and anything that's similar in that kind of vibe is that once the before and the after the games themselves, I'm less interested. Like yeah. once the games start and we're in the arena and shit is happening, I'm invested. Like I'm, and then it's like, and finished. This is the winner. And now we're going back to the real world. And I'm like, okay, I'm bored again. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately for this, uh, for this novel, they don't have the the Katniss type character who you're trying to follow her adventure and, and her, um, her plight basically into rebellion. Whereas this is just like the games are over and now Coralina Snow is irrelevant again. Um, and so he joins the peacekeepers and goes to district 12 to try and find his tribute, um, and blah, blah, blah. There's a few spoilers in there if you think about it. Um, but, (laughs) but you're not that invested in his plight because he's such a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) So she's kind of worked it again, in a way she's, it's worked against her by not painting him to be sympathetic because then you don't care about him, but you don't want to like, it's, it's a mix of emotions. Um, but I really enjoyed it and I think it's very cool to have like a little history of the hunger games in there, like a little, a little glimpse into where all these ideas and these uh, innovations and the idea of the, um, like the, uh, what are they called? The game, the game makers. Yeah. The game maker has a job um, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I give it a thumb up. I think I gave it four stars on Goodreads, um, which is a lot. Um, But I love a good young adult novel. I love just jumping in. Um, and the Hunger Games world is so interesting. Um, and then I went and watched the Hunger Games movies again after I finished the book. Um, I couldn't really, I couldn't commit to a reread though. I loved the books, but I, I just needed the, I needed just the first film. I just needed the little, I just needed the Hunger Games of the first film, (laughs) the drama and the action. So yeah, I, I recommend giving it a read. Um, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, look into a character that you might not really want to know more about, but I think it's um, it's helpful to know a bit more about him um, and his past. So yeah, that was my book for the last however long it's been in between chats. <laughs> nice um, and many more. Um, so yeah, what about you, Sandra? What else? Uh, also been reading quite a bit, um, but I've, I've talked about those books over on consumed. Uh, so if you were a little plug, if you will check out that show for my thoughts on the books I've been reading. Um, <laughs> I also been watching a lot of movies. I'm currently watching Star Trek's four, five, and six also for no doubt consumed because we're getting Zach from Oldie Buddy Goody back on the show. We talked about the first three Star Trek movies. We're doing four, five, and six, uh, which will be out on Wednesday. But I want I want to talk about some new movies that I have been yeah. watching. Uh, one I think we mentioned it uh, when 
we talked about Brooklyn Nine Nine a few episodes ago. Nine um, Nine. Sorry. Yeah, Palm Springs. Oh, Annie Samberg's yes. new movie. How is it? It is a movie. Very good. <laughs> it, is, it is a movie. No, uh, it's very good. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Um, so it's 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 a directorial debut from a guy called Max Barbaco, though it is uh, produced by the Lonely Island Trio. Mm. So technically, it's a part of their it's a part of their filmography alongside ah. Hot Rod and Ugh. Popstar. Um, <laughs> which you you need to watch Popstar Rob. Popstar. I I have been look yeah I'm 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 retconning uh, my own life and and I'm now claiming I am a Sandberg fan but I don't know if I could yes. go back and redo um, Hot Rod so maybe you should watch Bash Brothers Rob. <laughs> oh, Bash Brothers is the best. No, it's not. It's never so mind. Good. Erase the that from the record. It's hilarious. Don't watch Bash Brothers. Rob. I'll see what I can do. I'm a pro <laughs> when I bone, but I do it pro bono. Is one of the best <laughs> lyrics of last year. <laughs> look, he was look. Sandberg was amazing as the voice of the heretic Skeksy in uh, Age of Resistance. So that yeah, I I. I can't say the phrase that man can do no wrong because I do remember watching Hot Rog, Rod, but um, I have a blind spot for that one and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like because I was at a certain age when I saw Hot Rod and all of the early Lonely Island stuff. Were you like five? <laughs> been... <laughs> when did Hot Rod come well, out? Well, I was eighteen when hot, when I saw Hot Rod for the first time. So okay, so I was probably nine or ten then. Oh my god. So I was at that age where that sort of stuff was right up my alley, and I loved it all. So funny. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so Palm Springs. Palm Springs. So uh, I will say, if you can, go in blind to this one. But because it's a podcast, i got to say the premise. But I would say that, you know, if you are a fan of Andy Samberg and you want to watch it no matter what... Going blind. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw the trailer, so I pretty much know the whole concept. So yes, so it's a time loop movie. It's another time loop movie, which I am a little sick of. I mean, Edge of Tomorrow was good. I like Happy Death Day. Those two movies really don't <laughs> like them. Um, there was a episode of The Flash. I think there was time loop that wasn't too bad. There was an episode of Tales from the Loop, which came out recently. That was quite good. The gum time loop episode of Discovery was pretty much the only one I liked in season one. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 was good. Um, but the twist here that makes it stand out is that uh, Andy Samberg, his character, has been inside the the, the, the loop for a very long time. Mm. So the movie starts off, and he's already been in the loop for as long as he can remember. He says that he has trouble remembering things, and so we don't know how long he's been in the loop for, but it has been a very long time. He meets a character played by the mother from How I Met Your Mother, Christine Melody. That's right, yes. And then she, through a series of rather unfortunate events, she joins the time loop, and so you've got Sandberg, who's jaded, you know. Uh, it's quite a, it's quite an interesting performance from him because he does do over-the-top mm. comedy a lot, but he also, like, the character, there, there's just a lot of Aww. sadness there, which mm. I haven't really seen from Sandberg in, in, yeah. in recent years. Um, and I'm quite glad that, yeah, he got to, to flex his acting muscles and his comedy muscles in this movie. And so, yeah, you've got him who's jaded and then Christine who has a lot of hope 
and that works quite well. It is a rom-com. It follows a lot of rom-com uh, genre trappings, if you will, but you don't really mind because the performances are so good, because the movie is so funny. Uh, I love J.K. Simmons in this movie. I won't say who he is. I won't say what he does, but he is fantastic in this film. He's hilarious. He's good in everything. He is, he is. And, um, yeah, I think it, it offers a pretty fresh look at the time loop stuff, basically just based off Sandberg's performance. And I think it's worth it for that. It's only 90 minutes, like, probably not mm. even. It's quite short. Um, I would I would give it one thumb up. I'd say, check it out. Uh, th- th- there's not there's not too much <laughs> to say about it, but hmm. if you like Sandberg, it's good. Also, um, Tyler, is it Hochling? I, can't, I don't quite know how to say his name, but he's... Superman in Supergirl and is getting his own Superman and Lois TV yeah. show. He's in this and he's and he's excellent. It's set around a wedding where he is getting married to Veronica from Riverdale, <laughs> um, played by Camilla Mendez. It's their wedding and the time loop is the day, the day of their wedding. Happiest day yeah. of their lives. And he's excellent. Over and over and over and over. <laughs> Um, and one other movie that I will very, very quickly mention uh, is a film called Spree. It just came out. It stars Joe Keery from cool. Stranger Things. He is a he is basically an Uber driver who really, really, really wants to become Instagram famous. He's been doing Instagram content uh, and live streaming content for ten years, but he's only ever gotten. Uh, double digits once and he's really <laughs> he really wants to go viral so he decides to go on a killing spree inside of his uber wow. and it's 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 fun it's pretty dark uh but it also it also works as a pretty solid uh social media satire that feels like it was written by people who use social media unlike uh. most social media satires. oh yeah <laughs> um and joe Kiri completely disappears into the role he is absolutely nothing like he's like in stranger things and who is he in stranger things the sexy boyfriend. Oh, with the big hair. Steve Harrington, yeah, Steve Harrington. Harrington, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who works at the um, ice cream shop in season three. I haven't seen it yet. Yes, yes. It looks cool. It's it's all right, yeah. It's kind of filmed like found footage, so it's all shot from iPhones or from like webcams that he's got set up around the uh, car he's driving. Just came out and I thought it was pretty fun. So those are some movies. Throwing it back over to you, Rob. What have you got? Um. Well, just, yeah, just to finish off quickly... Um. Um, maybe next time I'll talk about like I've been going down a rabbit hole of old films I used to watch as a kid. Me so, too. Um, well, yeah, watching some Jumpin' Jack Flash, watching some uh, Sneakers. Um, I did a big binge watch of Quantum Leap. I needed some um, positivity and hope in my uh, life, and that was a, a you know a good uh, watch. But I might talk about yeah. that next time. Um, what I did watch, I've I've had it here. For over a year, I was lent it by uh, my uh, friends Ali and Richard, um, and I finally turned it on uh, and watched it, and it's friggin' amazing. It's the TV series um, uh, based on the John Le Carrier novel, The Night Manager. Ooh. Holy smokes, oh. that's good. Is that with Tom Hiddleston? Tom oh, Hiddleston, Hugh yeah. Laurie, Olivia oh. Colman, um, mm. um, Tom Ho- Tom Hollander. Not Tom Holland, Tom <laughs> Hollander. Um, uh, Tom Hollander, uh, people would know from um, uh, The yeah. Thick of It and um, uh, In The Loop and also was fantastic, magnificent in uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, yeah, John the Carrier novel, uh, uh, 
Uh, Hugh Laurie plays this big businessman, lots of money, lots of power, lots of influence, lots of underhanded deals. MI5 have been hunting him for ages, specifically uh, Olivia Coleman's character. Uh, she comes across uh, Tom Hiddleston's character, who's a night manager who had a, uh, a brief run-in with him while working um, as a night manager in a hotel somewhere in Europe. And basically, Tom Hiddleston's character used to be in the army. Um, oh, started off in... Yeah. And so it uh, explores how Hiddleston goes undercover, deep undercover, to uh, expose um, Hugh Laurie's machinations. And it is, yeah, friggin' amazing. Cool. It is so good. Um, Hiddleston is uh, really, really good. Uh, Hugh Laurie is so evil and so charming. <laughs> Um, Tom Hollander is always great and, you know, Olivia Coleman can do no wrong and she is just, she is just a shining, shining light of amazingness and she can do comedy, she can do drama, she can do anything and, yeah, she continues just being, you know, the greatest thing working in in television and film at the moment. So, yeah, um, it's just wonderful, wonderful. You know, John Le Carrier was always good and this is a really good modernised version of his uh, his work of you know taking spies to the next level, um, really good, really, good. and I cannot recommend it enough. You know, uh, three thumbs awesome. up, and there are you know one for one for Tom, one for Hugh, and one for Olivia. Well, Sandro, in the script uh, you've got here in the running order, plugs. So I'm going to plug that uh, tomorrow morning, that's Saturday the 22nd of August at 10 a.m., I'll be hosting a live streaming uh, Zoom conference virtual tour uh, for the uh, Melbourne-based charity Backpack for Vic Kids. They're a wonderful organization that helps uh, uh, families fleeing domestic violence. They provide uh, the children with uh, backpacks filled with much-needed clothing, um, uh, toiletries, uh, books and pens for school. They're a magnificent organization. I helped them out about a year ago when they opened up their small site, and now they've uh, moved to a bigger site. And um, the Mighty Littles, uh, some of the readers will be appearing um, to bring joy and love and just delightfulness. Um, so yeah, that's uh, ten o'clock um, tomorrow morning. So you can check out uh, how the uh, how the backpacks are sourced, how they fill them, how they go through this strenuous process of uh, quality control and dividing everything up. It's uh, they're an amazing organization, and um, uh, yeah, so uh, check it out. It's uh, go to the uh, Mighty Littles. Uh, Instagram page and all the links are there or you can check out uh, Backpack for Vic Kids on Facebook and it's on tomorrow morning Saturday the 22nd of August at 10am fantastic what would you like to plug I will also plug yeah my other podcast Oldie Butter Goodie this week on Monday's episode we are reviewing the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the 8th dimension a very very ridiculous 80s B movie sci fi. Mm. Uh, a lot of fun. I thought you said B movie, like the B movie. <laughs> I was like, what? A B movie sci fi? Like the... Seinfeld is in it. <laughs> it's got a picture of a bee on it. I have a little plug. Yeah, and what would you like to plug? It's not something I'm working on directly, but um, a friend of mine is 
currently right, uh, in development, um, a comedy animation in development by a friend of mine, Jem. Um, thought I'd give it a little plug. They've just joined Instagram, so it'd be cool to get some more followers. Um, the show is called Space on Earth, and it's an animation. As I mentioned, I think it's going to be a web series um, written by Jem and his um, partner, Alita Thomas. Um, basic synopsis. Oh, I've just lost it. This is doing going well. Um it's uh, for, it's a kids show, half um, two time half hour, a uh, half hour episodes. Um, the basic pitch is aliens walk among us and they're running late for gym class. When Peach and Fleur, the last survivors of a terrible <laughs> galaxy spanning war, crash land on Earth, they're luckily found by three curious, mischievous kids who take the young refugees in and help them build new lives. Together, they deal with the thrilling mysteries, dangerous conspiracies, human prejudice, monstrous threats, and scariest of all, middle school. Welcome to Space on Earth, a show about finding your people, even if they're not from around here. Um, you can check them out on Instagram, space uh, space on Earth, one word dot official. Um, yeah, they're, it's it's in, it's in development, so they're um, still you know working on it. But um, they've yeah, it's a really cool little project, and um, yeah, just trying to get some some more interest around it on Instagram. Um, so head on over, and they've got some really interesting um, artwork and influences up there. So um, check it out something close to my heart even though it's not by me or have any really involvement in it um but yeah <laughs> it's something that i think is gonna be really cool so if you like that kind of thing um head on over and have a look well there you go three plugs <laughs> all for you thank you so much for tuning in people of course we'll be uh, that came out a lot saucier than i hope three it would. plugs just for you they're not but three plugs just for you mm. Right up the bum, just like three, you know, three yep. thumbs up. I knew you were going to do it, and you did, and I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, um, anything, you know, if I'm not predictable. Um, so, yeah, please, let's start the conversation. We haven't been involved in the conversation for so long, but we're getting back into it. Get on to anything, uh, you know, nerd out. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You know, ask us, what do you want to see? What do you think of our reviews? What would you like to consume lately? As we've heard about, we want more reviews. We're going to be start bringing you. Let's have a look at the Christopher Nolan work. Is the Prestige still as good as I remember it to be? Okay. I've never seen the Prestige. Jen's first watch of the Prestige. Ooh. Ain't no party like a Jen watching Prestige party for the first time because it's... <laughs> I got really confused with that and The Illusionist. They came out around the same time, yeah? They did. They really did. Oh, maybe I'll watch his uh, black and white debut following. Never seen that. Ooh. Ooh. I still haven't watched Dunkirk. And so I, seeing I have a 4K screen, I think I might watch Dunkirk. Um, so, yes, please keep in touch. Our conversation is still going right now. We could go for another seven hours, but we won't because we've got to go get go to sleep and I've got to wake up early to operate puppets and be on the live stream and be entertaining but also solemn um, and you know it's so hard uh, so please keep in touch please keep safe wear a mask stay indoors look after yourselves watch, wash your hands and don't forget to nerd out